Welcome to the I Am Somebody podcast, a collaborative project with Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ Spectrum of Finley. In this podcast, we'll hear stories of recovery from mental health conditions, substance use, and trauma. We'd like to let you all know that the subject matter of this podcast may be challenging to some listeners. The views and opinions expressed in the I Am Somebody podcast are those of the individuals being recorded and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ Spectrum of Finley. Stay tuned after the podcast for resources if you are in need of mental health, substance use, or trauma services. I Am Somebody. 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 I am Holden and I am somebody. Welcome to I Am Somebody. I'm Bailey and I'm here with my co-host Larry. Greetings, travelers. Today, our guest is Holden to share his story. How are you doing today, Holden? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? I'm uh, loving the weather finally warming up from, you know, the what seems to be forever. The eternal winter. winter yeah. Yes, eternal. Is we a good had word. an eternal winter like in Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. (laughs) Great. Great. Yes. Um, So if you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself so our listeners kind of know who we're talking to. Uh, Yeah. Um, Again, my name is Holden. Um, I've spent my whole life here in Finley. Uh, I'm a transgender man, um, youth, queer youth advocate. Um, I do a lot of work with uh, Spectrum, uh, a lot of volunteer work. Um, uh, pretty well known in the community. Uh, I've lived here my whole life, so if you say my name, somebody's ears will perk up and be like, "Oh, I know that guy." Um, so that's pretty <laughs> cool, you know. To be most of the time, hopefully they have like something positive to say about me. But um, can be super yeah, cool. <laughs> exactly, I can be. Uh, we talked about this earlier. I'm, I'm only problematic <laughs> if you're a problem. So, um, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. No, you. <laughs> we know you Got a little it. bit better. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you don't have to go on forever. Um, so what are you hoping comes from sharing your story today? Um, I think the main like takeaway point would be, um, you know, if there are trans or queer people listening that they um, know that, you know, like it's never too late to come out. It's never like too late to find your community to find a place where it's safe to be authentically yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, like it's important to know that where you've come from doesn't define where you're going. So, um, you know, I've had kind of a a little bit of a rough uh, upbringing. Um, The cards were absolutely not in my favor and I think that I'm doing pretty all right. So I think that it's cool to um, be able to share that with people and and let them know that Mm there is hope uh, Mm -hmm. to be whoever you want to be when you uh when you find your footing and you find your community to support that i like that I, I, I think i'm that, a big fan yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that that gives us a great starting point for you if you want to start wherever you want to start but i'm like where was it that like you sh- kind of shared that like your the cards were not in your favor and how you were able to do that yeah so um grew up uh poor white kid with a parent with an addiction 
um, and another parent with some severe mental health issues. Um, as you know, in the 90s, mental health was not something that was prioritized. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, both both of my parents have some pretty severe mental health issues. One of them chose to um, self-medicate. The other just struggled with depression um, and like pretty, pretty badly. Mm-hmm. So my parents weren't exactly uh involved you know they were like at the house we had food you know like food insecurity wasn't a thing but like we didn't have um like a ton of support from our parents we were kind of latchkey kids um our parents were working all the time to be able to support Mm -hmm. there's five of us um and i'm right in the middle so uh, i've got two younger brothers i've got two older sisters um my oldest sister is developmentally disabled um and my other sister Also, as soon as we were, you know, all old enough to get a job, we were just off in the workforce kind of supporting ourselves and looking after each other the best we could. But, um, you know, like I said, you know, we had parents who were not absolutely there for us and we were poor. Um, A lot of, you know, narcissistic abuse um, from our father, um, which was, you know, tough and, you know, like yeah. not even something that you can recognize until you're like out of it and you're like, oh, holy shit. Right. Yeah, um, it right. really yeah, yeah. So, your worldview. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. like once people put words and language to things uh, like in your adulthood, you can like look back and be like, oh my God, like, oh, that makes, everything makes sense to me. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so like, you know, um, my parents had some mental health issues um, that were kind of like disregarded. Um, I personally was suicidal um since i was like four was my first memory of having a suicidal thought um and it was hard to like explain to my parents that i just didn't want to be here um i didn't feel like i was who i was supposed to be um you know and like what do you say to your kid when when they're 12 years old and they don't want to be here um you know my parents were like you're just having a bad day, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't you're just... think adults really can wrap their head around sometimes the complex emotions and feelings that a 12-year-old can have, even a 4-year-old sure. can yeah, have. Yeah, for sure. They're like, you're a kid. You've got everything you need. You know, you're, you're not hungry. You've got clothes that fit you. Like, you have a roof over your head. Like, you, all of your basic needs are met. Um, and that's true. Like, my basic physical needs were met. Um, but a lot of my emotional needs, um, I have, like, pretty severe attachment issues. Um, like... <laughs> Those are all things that I've learned, you know, even just in my 30s um, were things that were important and explain like why I am the way I am, why I react to things the way that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, like I have like I've have like vivid memories of being like, I need help. Um, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't know what to do. And my parents just being like, oh, you're just having a bad day. Just go to bed. Go outside. Go, go outside was like the 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 band-aid on everything like mm-hmm. oh you just need some more sunshine which is true like it's, vitamin d there's science go outside it, it makes you better it. but <laughs> um but i also needed therapy um yeah. you know and uh i didn't really get that my parents were together for the kids so there was like a lot of fighting a lot of violence a lot of um kind of like passive aggressive blaming you know um all of those things Mm -hmm. um when my parents finally did get a divorce um my dad started drinking a lot um and was just like there was just a party constantly at our house you know um he like the the expectation um you know i was born a female so i was my dad's daughter 
um, up until I came out when I was 30. Um, and so I had like the expectation of like cooking and cleaning and doing all of the like maternal kind of things in the household, but I was still 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the expectation for a child to kind of take over the role of what my mother was doing in the house. Would you have been the oldest girl? I was the, because um, my two, my two Other older sisters you. have a different father. So they, okay. when my okay. parents, when my parents got divorced, they went with my mom. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, so I am my dad's firstborn child mm -hmm. um, and he has two, two younger boys. Um, my one brother is four years younger than me. My other brother is 12 years younger than me. So I was 12 taking care of a baby. Um, yep. And also my other brother was still really young, you know, but, um, assuming all maternal responsibilities then for sure. Cooking, cleaning. Um, you know, I didn't really have, like, I wasn't really able to like be a child with my friends. You know, it was like, well, you can't because you need to wake up in the morning and make sure your brother gets to the babysitter and make sure you get him when you get off the bus and get home and make sure everybody's got food, make sure the dishes are done before I come home. Um, the house better not be a mess. You know, mm -hmm. at this point he's focusing all of his energy and all of his money into partying. Um, and my mom was like finally getting help for her mental uh, health so she kind of had like a, a bit of a breakdown. She had to go spend some time um, in the hospital. And so my dad actually had full custody of me and my brothers. And uh, like we didn't see our mom for like a month, didn't hear from her, um, didn't really have any explanation. You know, it was just hearing like your mom uh, is selfish. Your mom doesn't care about you guys. You know, just hearing these kinds of things, which like obviously are not true, right? right. Um, my mom was doing what she needed to do to be. They may have felt right. true in that moment though. It was, was that... easy to believe, yeah. um, you know, especially because I'm feeling so angry mm -hmm. and so betrayed by both of my parents and I'm 12 and I don't know that there's words to put to that, but like I was angry. I, you know, like was stressed all the time. My grades were dropping. I was getting in trouble for having bad grades. Like nobody was like, hmm, what's going on with you? You know what I mean? They yeah. were just like, why are you fucking up so bad? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been the theme of my life um, in my childhood was that, you know, like I don't think that my parents didn't care about me, but I don't think that they really understood what they were doing when they were saying things or doing things to myself or my sisters. Um, my brothers were like, perfect golden angels as the boys normally are, you know? And so like, that was also really challenging because my, my brother got to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. Um, it sounds like there's this feeling of the cycle of failure for you. Like, yeah. it was like, where are you going to do the right thing? Yeah. How are you going to get out of that? Um, and that's kind of just been the theme of my relationship with my dad. Um, so it's, it's just really hard because I have genuinely always felt like no matter what I do or how I do it or how hard I try, I will never be like good enough mm -hmm. um, for him more so than my mom. But that is kind of like how I feel about life in general. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I fail everybody. And so, yeah, it starts here. Yeah. And it's like with what parent and then it's right. how and you interact so, with the world. So then it's like, you know, romantic relationships, friendships, you know, mm -hmm. like I catch myself like gift giving and like overextending beyond my boundaries and like my capacity to offer myself as like somebody who's useful to people um just so they see value in my like relationship with them um and mm -hmm. so like I can say this and I'm like 
that sounds insane. People love you because you're a great person. But then I'm like, <laughs> in the moment, I'm yeah, like, if I don't do this thing, this person's going to hate me. I'm never going to see them again. Yeah. And they're going to think that I'm just the biggest POS that they've ever known. Yeah, um, there's a total difference between what you know, like right. logically know, but then like that pull that's really deep inside. It's right. like, I better do that mm -hmm. so that they don't think those things, those like little deep insecurities that yeah. eat away and change your behavior. For sure. So, you know, like, you know, in my youth, I would like hear my dad tell me things like, you don't like, you don't care about me. You're selfish. All you want to do is whatever you want to do. And I was like, yeah, I'm fucking 12. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm 12. I'm 13. You know, like he wouldn't let me cut my hair. Um, so like when I finally started going back to my mom's house, I had called a friend over. It was like just before my freshman year of high school and I shaved my head. Because you like, could. It was yeah, he wasn't there to tell me I couldn't. Um, and he was pissed about it. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, I have this thing where I have noticed that parents typically, like, have some sort of, like, assumed ownership over their children. Like, they don't have, like, any autonomy for themselves. And, like, this is an instance where, like, I can give you, like, a specific point in my life where I realize that, like, my dad thinks that I'm his possession and not a person. Um and that was like just you know like that was like one of the first times that i realized like this guy just thinks like i'm his kid and so i'm going to obey him and do whatever he thinks i need to be doing and like if i'm not doing it i'm not good enough yeah, like you literally belong to him yeah and so what i did um was the opposite of everything that he ever asked me to do from then on out because i was like well if i'm not good enough when i'm trying my hardest then why should i even try at all right. mm -hmm. um so, yeah, so, you know, on top of all of these kind of, like, parental issues, the family struggles, you know, like, we're, after my parents split, we were then, like, uh, very poor. Um, both of my parents were very poor, you know, dual-income housing and situations are normally a lot easier. Um, so, you know, we, we struggled financially for a while, um, and then, like, also I'm trying to, like, identify myself um you know like i'm not i'm not like boy crazy um i don't even really feel like a girl i, I don't have words for this excuse me and so like i'm trying to identify like who i am in this like really weird like hormonal 14 15 16 year old kind of like transitional period of my life mm -hmm. where i'm literally going through like one of the hardest things that like a family should have to go through um and like this is just my my experience in this um right so i can't speak for my siblings but i know that we all kind of have um some some trauma related to like our childhoods and, mm -hmm. and kind of the like not intentional neglect but definitely neglect of of our upbringings and um you know like my my one sister she she came out, uh, you know, as gay. Uh, she's four years older than me. Um, I hit hit freshman year, um, you know, decided, you know, there's like a progression in like queerness, right? So you're like, I'm, I'm not that. No, I'm definitely not that. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll pick the safe one. I'm bisexual. Um, and then I was like, mm, I'm definitely not bisexual. And I identified as a lesbian. And it doesn't really matter what I identified was. I have always 100% been like, 
unapologetically myself. I was the weird. I was the weird. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I was the well. weird. I was the weird goth kid. Um, I, you know, like I was one of the only openly queer people in the high school. Um, I can't tell you how many people have messaged me over the years and been like, hey, you, you were like the lighthouse of queerness in my youth. Like you were the only person I knew growing up in high school that was like queer and like comfortable with people knowing it and like just absolutely like unapologetically being who you are no matter what you know like I got bullied a lot mm -hmm. I used to get beat up a lot um you know like it was it was it was hard I had a hard time and but it didn't stop me from being who I was and like it, it was like it's nice to hear it now but I'm like yeah would have like loved to hear this when I was yeah when you're you doing know, it in the, yeah. in the good yeah. fight but, while you're fighting the good fight but it's like it's nice to know that like I was like enough of that for people to see to be like oh okay like I can be comfortable with who I am I can be honest about who I am Holden's doing it he's been doing it for his entire life he's had you know quite a struggle but it hasn't stopped him from identifying as or just being himself so like that was the progression right i was bisexual and i was a lesbian um and like that was just the language that i had right i didn't actually even know that trans people existed until i was in my 20s um and then even then i was like good for them you know like i just <laughs> like yeah. i was like ah oh, that's so cool like um, just, you know, for the longest time, I was like, just, I'm just a really good ally, like trans people, trans rights, you know, like, right. that's great. Like, don't be transphobic around me. We're going to fight. Um, and then I had like a bit of a, like a gender identity crisis uh, a few years ago. I was probably 28, 28 years old. And I was like, I don't even want a gender. Um, so I identified as non-binary. I was like, I, if I have to pick, I don't want to. Um, mm -hmm. And so I identified as non-binary. I was actually sailing um, on freighters on the Great Lakes. And I was the only quote-unquote female uh, deckhand. Excuse me. Uh, and I was, you know, like in that environment, it's very blue collar, right wing, conservative, a lot of racism, a lot of homophobia, um, a lot of just me not feeling safe um, for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't really able to be open about who I was. Well, in this time period, um, a couple years go by, TikTok comes out, blows up. Mm -hmm. My For You page is just trans men. Right. And I'm I like, the for you, you, know page. you learn so much yeah, about yourself absolutely. by just watching the for you page. Because you're like, how does my phone know that yeah. I'm so interested? The algorithm is good. It's, it's, yes. No, the algorithm has got problems. It, well, Larry's, <laughs> that's a Larry's story. in denial yeah. about his algorithm. That's okay. Yeah, one of these days we'll talk about the algorithm. That's okay. So, like, <laughs> so, you know, like I'm, so I'm on, you know, I'm on this boat. I'm watching TikToks and it's just like all of these trans dudes and I'm like, alone with my thoughts like all the time because I don't get along with the people on these ships. Um, I don't feel safe around them. I spend a lot of time if I'm not working in my room and uh, and I start to like process what I'm what I'm truly feeling and what it is is like you know I'm like I'm emotional when I watch people getting top surgery starting hormones for the first time and then I'm like oh no you know like <laughs> Like a light bulb came on and I was oh, like, no. oh shit, I'm jealous of these people. Um, 
That's a big realization yeah. to going from, I just like support, I'm so invested in supporting yeah. them to Oh, this is actually that. jealousy. Um, yeah. So then I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh fuck, I'm, I think I'm trans, you know, like, and I'm, I'm by myself on this boat. And I had one friend who was like uh, this kid from, uh, from Cleveland. He was just out, he was like going to school at a liberal arts college in New York and just came out to like pay for school. So like it paid really well, the benefits were great. Um, kids could come out and like sail as students for like a semester basically and be able to pay for the rest of their school year. So that's what he was doing. And he had like a number of times seen how I was being treated, see how he had seen how I was being talked to, how even if I spoke, like I wasn't heard. And he basically multiple times was like, I couldn't be you and be here. I don't know how you're doing this. Um, like seriously, kudos, hats off to you. Like it takes one tough motherfucker to be here um, as you and not taking their shit and you're still, you still show up and you're still doing it. And that's like amazing. And I'm like, thanks man. And so, you know, I sit with these feelings for a couple weeks and then like, this guy comes and he's sitting in my room, we're watching a movie or whatever. And I was like, I have some news for you. Um, and I was like, I think I'm trans, you know, like these are the feelings that I have. And he's like, well, I think that makes sense, you know? And he's like, well, if that's how you feel, like you've sat with that thought and like, you know, you're not a child, you know, like it's not like a, this is not a, prog this is like a, this is a, pro a progression, right? So you've like lived this experience you've thought about these things like if you're telling me this then like i believe you um and i support you whatever you need um i'm here for you um and i was like wow okay thank you um oh in the meantime like some other stuff was going down on the boat i ended up quitting my job um and coming home and so this is during covid um i you know came home came out to my mom you know texted my sister and was like hey what do you you know if i told you i was trans what would you say and she was like honestly i've been waiting for this conversation I'm like you <laughs> like, and that was pretty much the like the response from pretty much you know i was coming out to people one by one and pretty much everybody was like no yeah that makes sense <laughs> like yeah no yeah for sure good for you for getting there finally and i'm how like how does that feel for you, you? bastards knew this whole time and <laughs> yeah. you didn't say anything to me like i didn't have the language you know what i mean and i and i've seen how trans people get treated like it's scary mm -hmm. um you know and so i'm like i don't want you know i don't want to go through all this stuff again i don't come out again and like see if i lose people i did um you know see if i lose respect from people that i've had in the past i did mm -hmm. um you know like i've I'm scared to face what that's gonna look like I lost, that grief yeah, i lost some like really good friends and so here's like my experience in this is that i have um like a lot of people who call themselves allies but when they get an opportunity to show me who they truly are they do um which is really unfortunate right so i've had some like lifelong friends that the second they had an opportunity to, to be transphobic to me they they did and and it was just like wow like wow dude you've known me for 20 years mm -hmm. and the first time that you want to argue with me about something the covid vaccine you know like i i'm like hot take nurses should get covid vaccines and i had a friend like tell me like oh it's really funny that you want um, you want to tell people how to, uh, 
how to operate their bodies but like as long as it's not as long as it serves you you can do that but like we can't tell you how to do how to use your body or like what you can do with your body and i was like wow that's that's really fucked up man like that's you're like you're one of my closest friends you're one of the first people that i ever came out to like you are yeah. a close family friend and like you are comfortable saying that to me i want to just like take a second to talk about why that's so problematic because that's it's a fallacy to even bring that up as part of the argument about that's vaccine. a false equivalency yes exactly thank you thank you for naming the fallacy you're welcome because they're not the same thing right. <laughs> they're not the same thing um and that was a moment that he was that right he he took to uh attack you so he didn't even have to he didn't even have to say that but because it's it's not a logical argument to right. bring to the table but it was a moment that he took to attack that right and like also like the fact that you can do that so comfortably publicly to me mm-hmm. and not like have a like a conversation with me where you're like hey man i think that you know it's you know you should be able to have the choice to have a vaccine blah 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 and like and then it like it escalated and I was like, you know, like if you work in healthcare, you should be, you, you know what I mean? Like in my opinion is if you work in healthcare, you should care about the health of others. Um, that sounds hot weird. take, hot take. <laughs> Let's um, try this again. What do you mean? I don't Yeah. <laughs> and could you clarify? Yeah, exactly. And so then it, it immediately went to like, okay, tough guy. Like you want to, you want to argue on the internet and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I really don't, you know, like, so like there are like, I have like a zero tolerance policy at this point where it's like the second you say something that makes me uncomfortable, I no longer associate with you. So there are, Let's clarify what you mean by uncomfortable, just because I think I know what you mean, but I don't know if our listeners will know what you mean when you say that. I mean, it's a pretty broad statement, so I guess that's fair. Um, If you make a comment about my body or my identity that is sometimes like, what's the word? If it's like any kind of an aggression towards me, you know yes. what I mean? Like I It's an like, attack on who you are as a person. Right. That's so like if like, you have some internalized transphobia, if you think that you're like because you know me personally that you can ask me like very intimate questions, um like I, I get uncomfortable because a lot of people just have like the audacity to ask me very like or say very like transphobic things to me and they don't even realize that they're saying like what they're saying is transphobic or what they're doing is like inappropriate. And a lot of these people have known me for 20 years, you know, Mm -hmm. 15, 20 years. And it's like, I care about you as a person and I'm so shook right now that you think that this is okay to ask me that like sometimes a lot of times I'll just answer the question. And then I walk away from it going like, God, why do you keep doing that to yourself? Like, why can't you stand up for yourself in those moments? And it's really, really hard because like, I care more about whatever person is speaking to me's feelings in that moment than I do my own, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like something straight back to what you were saying about the living, growing up with like narcissistic parents and like overextending and not respecting Mm -hmm. your own boundaries because They'll think I'm a piece of shit if I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like, my experience in my, like, trans journey has been, like, I'm very open about it. And for a number of reasons, right? One of them is that there needs to be more visibility for people who maybe aren't there yet. And they need to see, 
hey, you know, like Holden's doing all right, you know, like it's okay to be trans and live in Finley because you can, like, it's totally possible to have a decent job, you know, like I have a regular ass job, I own a house, you know, like I'm living a very normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing very different about me except for like this journey that I'm on, which is like very challenging for a lot of reasons. But, you know, like I, I volunteer um, at this youth group and there is a number of like queer gender nonconforming kids that show up here and they don't have parents who are understanding or are supportive. Um, there are people in the community who are trans but are afraid to be open about it. Mm-hmm. There are people in the community who um, maybe aren't even aware that they're trans yet. And like I tell people all the time, like, I don't stay in Finley because I love it here. Um, I stay here out of spite. Um, like I but wasn't still that rebellious. I wasn't welcome, <laughs> you know, like I haven't been welcome quote unquote welcome in like all of my life. So I've had some, I've faced opposition the whole way through. And now it's like, yeah, you, you know, like your, your dream in high school, if you're queer is like, Oh, I can't wait to move to New York city or San Diego or Chicago or any city where there's like a community, Columbus, whatever, pick a city. Mm -hmm. But the only reason that there is a community that is so thriving, like a queer community that is so thriving in any of those cities is because people get up from places like Finley and they move there and they find, they find a community there. Um, I don't think that it's fair to the people who stay in places like Finley. Maybe they don't have resources to leave. Maybe they don't. Absolutely. Maybe they don't want to leave their family. Any of those mm-hmm. reasons. Like, I don't think it's fair to say like, if you can't get out, you can't feel safe here. Yep. Um, so I, again, unapologetically myself, very loud, very open about my transition. Um, just in case somebody needs to hear it, that's it's not ready to do it for themselves yet. I advocate for these kids. You know, a lot of their parents are not supportive. Um, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's never too late. It's okay that, you know, like, it's not okay that your parents don't respect you. That's not what I mean. But it's okay that you're not able to to start your journey just yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't start until I was 30. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know until I was 30 years old who I was. And so, you know, I don't see the harm in sharing with people who are like maybe not comfortable being honest with themselves yet, or maybe are not in a place that's safe enough for them to be honest about who they truly are. Like, I don't see the harm in me doing that for them so that they can see like, okay, like, I see how the community treats Holden. I see how Holden shows up for the community. And the fact that, you know, I have not had a great time here, but I continue to show up for the community. That way people like can see me like existing, helping, still being willing to help, still being willing to be involved, to, um, you know, advocate for people who aren't able to advocate for themselves. Like that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of like energy that I want to give to this community so that one day there are many Holdens who do the same thing. You know what I mean? Um, who show up for the kids who validate people, um, you know, who are consciously aware of like the gender spectrum, the, you know, the sexuality spectrum and realize that like, that's not really what makes you different. Um, you know, like you can be those things and still be a good person. And I also feel like 
I do that as well for the cisgendered straight community of Finley so that they can see, you know, like, okay, like Holden's trans and he's like very loud and he's covered in tattoos and he's like kind of sassy, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but he's a good person and he cares about this community and he cares about the people in it. Like I don't show up only to queer events to volunteer. If I'm asked to show up and volunteer somewhere, I do it. Um, you know, I, obviously I have, I'm a little biased. I care a lot about the queer community. Um, I have lived here my whole life. I have, um, kind of struggled with like finding my place and finding like a community that accepts me, um, finding, you know, like more, you know, like more queer people, um, who, like also see the same vision um so like thank god for spectrum that is the vision of spectrum right is to mm-hmm. to increase like the visibility the education on queer topics in this mm-hmm. community because it's lacking yeah uh it's incredible what spectrum has been able to do um yeah. and will be able to continue to do as they grow and create that community that kind of you're talking about here because finley is a place where everyone deserves to belong. Yeah, exactly. Everyone deserves to belong here. Everyone mm-hmm. deserves to belong anywhere they want to belong. Yeah. <laughs> as far as like, you should be allowed to be yourself. Yeah. Anywhere you want to live, you should be allowed to be yourself. You yeah. shouldn't have to have to find a city somewhere else. I grew up to, here. Yeah. Sh- I pay taxes here. Why yeah. can't I? Why can't I feel comfortable when I walk down the street? Yeah. You know, and there are people who are genuinely afraid. Um. You know, like. I have a friend who moved to Columbus and then recently moved back to Finley with her wife. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, like there was a time in my life where I would be mortified to hold my wife's hand and walk down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like that so much anymore. I mean, it still exists. Um, sure. You can't eradicate homophobia just like you can't eradicate racism as much as you would like to. Correct. But um you know like the it is like the tolerance is like increasing although we're not there yet there's still a ton of opposition for pride there's still a ton of opposition for um you know like queer like queer youth advocacy basically um i don't know how to talk to people's parents in a way that you know like protects me and also advocates for them Mm -hmm. um in a way like that everybody meets the same common middle ground. I want to kind of go back to what we were talking about on the same kind of vein as this, about these hard conversations to have with people in a way that's advocating. I want to talk about, because I know that there's going to be someone that listens that thinks, why are there things that make you uncomfortable to talk about if you're so open about your journey um, and not understanding maybe what those boundaries look like? So, like, as right. you're talking about, like, advocating for others and, like, these societal things and then your own journey, yeah. like, what uh, is the difference? What's the so, difference, for, I guess, for the listener? Like, what's the difference between sure. your personal boundaries and, like, what those things look like and why it's okay to say no about this and then be open about your journey in these other ways? So, my personal opinion and experiences like I'm open so if I'm if I'm comfortable so like I first of all let me say this if I don't feel safe to tell you something about me I will not do it um so if I'm comfortable enough to tell you like oh yes I've started testosterone um Mm -hmm. and you ask me oh what's that been like for you I'm happy to tell you Mm -hmm. but when you say like oh like 
what's your body like what's different in your body like what's you know like you give yourself a shot every week like what's that like um you know like if you get like incredibly invasive i start to like put walls up you know like i Mm -hmm. i know that the internet exists that's like my favorite thing to tell people like google exists like if you want to know what being on testosterone can do to somebody's body like there's plenty of resources on the internet but you know like the boundaries are if i tell you that i'm transgender i'm telling you this because it doesn't like change who i am Mm -hmm. and most of the time like if you don't know that about me and you didn't know me before like you wouldn't know that about me Mm -hmm. um I think that I'm incredibly like male passing. Um, I think that my voice has gotten a lot deeper. Um, I don't really get misgendered anymore. Um, so like I could in theory go what's called stealth and just never mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I'm doing a disservice to the trans community when I do that and the queer community. The things that people say when they find out that I'm trans are imme- like the inappropriate things. Here, let me give you a list of things you should yeah. never say to trans people. This is good. <laughs> are you going to have top or bottom surgery? Are you on hormones? Are you going to change your name? What does sex look like for you? That shit's uncomfortable. That last one is incredibly uncomfortable for any person ever, and I do not know why people think as, as soon as person, someone that it's a, as soon as yeah as soon as someone's any amount like LGBTQ plus they think it's okay to ask that ask question. That. But that you don't walk question. up to any other person and just ask that question. You do you do not just walk up to people and ask them what that sex is a question is like for that them. As as a queer person, I have been getting asked since I was fourteen. Yeah, bro, I don't know. I'm fourteen. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I would have people like, "Oh, let me watch you and your girlfriend have sex." No, that's fucking weird. Also, I don't even know what sex is. You know, I was like a literal child. Now it's like, yes. please don't ask me about my genitals. It's like it's like me asking you like, "Hey, unzip, what you got going on down there?" It's, it's weird. fucking weird. It's so weird. It's fucking weird. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> Nobody likes to hear that. No one. Um, absolutely, no one wants to be asked those questions. So like, I this has been like this has been a a challenge for me because i am open about my journey i actually have um top surgery coming up in a couple of weeks so i'm very excited about that i'm very scared about that um and then i'm telling people this and i'm not saying i have top surgery coming up i say i have surgery coming up you know i'm not going to be around for six weeks because i have surgery coming up and i haven't mentioned what kind of surgery i'm having you know at this point to these people and they go oh are you doing the full thing <laughs> what like it's a like it's a salon package what? No shit. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. you get in the works yeah cut, cut and color no like <laughs> no like you don't ask people you don't ask people about their bodies you know, like no. that should be just a standard. Well, if I'm not willing to share it with you, you know, like I have surgery coming up. It's not an invitation for you to ask me like correct. what my genitals are going to look like. Correct. That's right. weird. Well, um, we know that it's just, I think that people just lose all sight of what is common decency rules because like um, now some people don't follow these rules. I know that I've experienced it in my day-to-day life, but if you tell someone that they're ha- I'm having surgery. You kind of know, like, 
if they're not telling me what the surgery is, it might be private. That's why yeah. we have HIPAA. That's why we have things like we were yeah. not supposed to discuss what the medication well, is. Or, it, like, or like, you know, people, that's why it's like the embarrassing question or the right. statement where it's just like, how is that rash going? Like, yeah. you don't talk about your medical <laughs> things because sometimes that can be embarrassing for people, regardless of what it's like, let alone talking about someone's exactly. genitals because that's uncomfortable on two fronts. Exactly. And like, you know, in the same way that, you know, people ask women, about their bodies. When mm-hmm. are you going to have a baby? Mm-hmm. Don't ask people that shit. That's no. weird. What no. if that woman can't have a baby? What if she doesn't want to have a baby? There's a, yeah, there's what, like so know, many like, reasons. Or, you know, it's like they're, they're uh, actively trying to have a baby. Yeah. And it's, I have things for bringing it up right now. Yeah, like not, not necessary. Um, I'm having trouble in my marriage or, you know. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> so like what I, like what I choose to share with people, you know, like I share openly, but mm-hmm when people take that as like an oh free for all let's ask holden whatever we want um because he's cool you know like he's gonna answer that and i do right because i freeze and i'm like uh mm, uh i don't know yes i'm having top surgery you know what i mean like i'm it's costing me this many dollars i'm going to (laughs) connecticut to do it you know what i mean like i'm giving everybody every ounce of information that i have about myself and like i don't really owe it to anybody you owe it to no one and like and See, nobody my does. question that comes up is like, why are you going to Connecticut? That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I would want to go to Connecticut. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm not saying sure. it's a bad place, but. I'm, I'm going, I'll answer that question. I'm going to Connecticut because my best friend lives there. Oh, um, Him and his wife have offered to help take care of me after um Oh after my gosh, surgery. that's so great. And I found a surgeon that was in network and it just ended up working out. So That sounds awesome, actually. Yeah. yeah so I mean, I'll, no, be, I was say, I'll like, be recovering well, at a beach house in Niantic. Uh, so <laughs> I was going to say, it's not really necessarily Do you need any additional gay. support? <laughs> yeah, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> how many, yeah, how many supports yeah. do you need? <laughs> how many rooms are in your Airbnb? Um, That's so funny. So, yeah. So the questions that you should absolutely, like, not assume are okay to, to getting back to it, to ask anybody are, like, very personal questions about their body. Um, you know, questions about how they're having sex, Mm -hmm. um, how they're, you know, like what their, what their journey looks like. Um, you don't just so our listeners know, you don't have to go through hormone therapy. You do not have to have gender affirming surgeries to be a trans person. Um, also would like to take this moment to let people know that having access to, to trans healthcare is very difficult Mm -hmm. um it's hard to have um surgeries are expensive hormones are expensive um if you don't have health insurance if you don't if you live in a place like finley there is not an endocrinologist which is the person who prescribes your hormones in finley who will work with a trans person um they explicitly say that um so there's still a ton of like hardship you know, in- that's one thing that I was going to say that, like, when you said that it's okay to say, how is that going for you once right. you've brought it up, that brings about, like, like more of the conversations about what barriers are you experiencing yeah. if you want to talk about those barriers yeah. and if you want to talk about the emotions that you're going through yeah, exactly. with this because there are going to be an ebb and flow of emotions as you're on this journey. No and it's like that, that's the kind of emotional support you'd offer any friend given what they were going through. Like, yeah, exactly. how is that for you? How are, yeah. how are you going through yeah. that? Are you taking care of yourself? Yeah. I had a woman ask me that last night at a pride meeting. She was like, Hey, how's self care going? And I was like, I don't need you to yell at me right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My self care is not yeah. answering this question. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you know, I always answer with like, well, you know, I'm big and strong. 
Um, so <laughs> I, uh, it's just like, it's, it's been a challenge and like, again, so like if you could ask somebody like, oh, how is this experience for you? That's not an invasive question. That's giving me an opportunity to answer it exactly how I want to do it. Right. Yes. Oh, you started hormones, Holden? That's great. How's that going for you? Oh, it's, it was a little hard to get started. Um, you know, like there's a lot of hoops to jump through, um, a lot of emotions, you know, like I was really excited. I was really scared. Now, like now I'm on it. I have been on it for over a year now. Like this is what my experience. Thank you for asking. You know, like that's not invasive. Mm -hmm. um, the invasive question would be like, um, oh, you started, you started testosterone. Like what's your, you know, what's your body doing? Like, oh, it's weird. Don't, don't ask me that. Like, I, I, and also <laughs> like, I've, I, I don't know how people go through their lives without at least probably not knowing that they're interacting with as many trans people as they have. Um, but yeah. I have a, in my adult life ended up with more trans uh, an overrepresentation of trans friends yeah. um that beats the general population yeah and it's so interesting because everyone has a different level of comfortability exactly. and in speaking to them like is in individually mm -hmm. um one person will is very uncomfortable you know the dead name like and another person is like jokes about it and is very yeah. comfortable with that like look at these old pictures of me like ha yeah. ha ha it's just a very unique experience and so allowing that as an ally exactly always allowing what they're comfortable with exactly has been my rule yeah exactly because i know that mm -hmm. they're all completely wildly different mm -hmm. with what they're comfortable talking about with what they're comfortable sharing you know, and it's up to them what that's comfortable yeah, for them. For sure. When I show up to this youth group and these kids ask me questions, their questions are like, Holden, how do you combat like chest dysphoria? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how I do that. Um, Holden, how, how do you make yourself feel more masculine on days where you're having, you know, like when you're feeling like, like dysphoric, you know, like how do you make yourself feel good? That's a great question, buddy. Let me tell you how I take care of myself on days that are hard because they are. I have hard days. I have days where I can't look at myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I look like. I, I openly tell this to people. I look in the mirror and who I see is not who you're looking at. And it will always be that way, mm -hmm. at least for a while until I'm finally like there. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, my body is still changing, right? You have to be on hormones for years before you like receive the full effects of them. Nobody understands when they like, you know, like when they hear like, oh, I'm on testosterone. They're like, oh, okay. So like, where's your beard? I'm like, thanks for rubbing it in. Um, trying real hard. You know, you can't just like <laughs> blow it out. You know, it's, it's, it's a process, you know, like not everybody can grow a beard. You know, not everybody wants facial hair. Like there's, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. And then there's like the, you know, the non-binary part of the gender spectrum where like, there's like trans mask, trans feminine, like you maybe, you know, like don't, 100% want to transition, but you like to present yourself more feminine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like getting people to respect pronouns has been a challenge, not for me, um, but like for other people when I'm around, um, especially with these youths, um, I've met some of the parents and the parents are like, excuse me, parents are like, they them so hard. Can't we just make up new pronouns? And I'm like, we have so many pronouns <laughs> and it doesn't matter if your kid wants to use they them pronouns those are your kids pronouns mm -hmm. if your friend tells you these are my pronouns and it's raccoon and trash it's a little weird but like okay cool i respect you enough to to do my best i will you try know I mean? you know like <laughs> if it was raccoon and trash i would try i'm like you know like 
why do you think your pronouns are trash? I don't believe that of you. But like, you know, like, well, let's get to the <laughs> bottom of this. Separate conversation. Right. Um, but, you let's know, like. Pick healthy pronouns. Exactly. Um, it was a conversation that one of our collective within our collective cohort, if you will, that mm -hmm. uh, was talking about a lot of the, a lot of times when they use, when somebody were to use non-human pronouns, whether it's it, raccoon, yeah. whatever, there's a lot of overlap with uh, being somewhere on the spectrum also. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and, and sure. The, the, and I wish I had the data and I've asked the wrong people for it. Mm -hmm. And I could probably, use that Google thing you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, Google's a, an incredible tool. Can you tell me more about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> more about Google? Yeah. Um, you can just pull it up on uh, literally any device connected to the internet. Okay. Just right. type in Google, that's G-O-O-G-L-E okay. dot com. And then there's a little bar that pops up. You can ask it any question you want, and I guarantee right. you something will come back to you. Yeah. So, um, but, but more seriously, <laughs> though, like whenever I hear that the, there are some people that I know that prefer like it or something like that, yeah. like that hurts a little bit, you know what I mean, to here right trying to understand that that's their way you know what right. i mean but at the same time like you know i grew up with that book a boy called it you know stuff like that yeah. and it's just like the the dehumanization mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always worried immediately like you see yourself as less yeah. than are you okay yeah. right that's the first question are you okay do you need support right and then right. also like i respect the fact that like a lot of this is like gen z right gen z is like bro we're gonna make a joke of these pronouns like yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. and i love them yeah. for it i'm like fucking hell yeah buddy like you know gen like, z is great love man em. like love them so much <laughs> i um, love that it's the opposite of like uh what like uh, millennials with like baby boomers and, and gen x i feel like is more like they're like those darn kids and we're like better than us good yeah. job good for you keep yeah. it up bring most, that energy most of us gen xers like are more like well, i don't know what's going on around me that's like, like 90 percent of the time true. That's true. we just that's don't know but <laughs> it's I, fine it's yeah. fine but yeah no i love i love gen z i love that they're like Pronouns don't matter. This is how much they don't matter. Mm -hmm. My pronouns are trash and raccoon. And I'm like, fucking, all right, buddy. Right. Cool. I know, they're so funny. Cool. It crack um, me up every day. <laughs> they, yeah, I love them so much. When I come to this youth group and I'm like, you guys are so fun. I love you so much. Like, you're so cool. You're so sure of yourselves. You're 14, 12, 13, 14 years old. You're so sure of yourselves. It took me 30 years to figure this shit out. Mm -hmm. Um let me buy you some ice cream. Come on, let's go. Like, <laughs> let's go down to Dietz's. Let's go get some ice cream. Uh, it's great. So, right, and that's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> I. Well, oh, you weren't I, offering us. Oh, my bad. No, no, not you. I offered coffee. Adults get coffee. Um, well, I got hot chocolate because I'm, yeah. you know, I was <laughs> somewhere you know. in the summer <laughs> between. <laughs> I, I um want to talk about how because as we're talking about like you working with youth and what your experience was as a youth mm -hmm. and you've received this flood of compliments and support as far as you have always been you and like good for you on yeah. that and like that resiliency mm -hmm. with always being yourself when people were actively telling you that being yourself was not enough people that were your parents like your loved yeah. ones like very important people in your life that mm -hmm. are kind of creating this world for you mm -hmm. i want maybe you don't have the answer for this but i'm curious if you've done some reflection on how or why you have been able to be you? So that's a great question. So I, again, one of five kids, mm -hmm. it's just a lot going on. My parents were like a little too busy, you know what I mean? But like 
one thing, uh, mom, if you're listening, shout out to you. My mom has always been like, be yourself, whatever that is, be it. I love you. I want you to be you. Um, I know that this is hard. I know that, you know, I'm maybe not the best at being a mom, but I'm doing my best. You know what I mean? And like, that's something that I've been able to recognize as an adult is that like my parents maybe weren't on top of the game. Um, but they were doing the best that they could. Could it have been better? Yes. Um, but I have always had my mom's love and support. And like, even if we didn't really have the money, she was like somehow scraping it together so that I could get like the trip pants or, um, you know, she would let me cut my hair into a mohawk. She would let me, you know, go to warp tour. She would let me do these things Mm -hmm. that I identified my like personality with, even if it was hard to make it happen, she would do that for me. Um, you know, and my dad at some point just became like a financial support. Um, he moved to Texas to be a, uh, a journeyman electrician. He wasn't really around. So like, so like when my mom would be like, um, Holden needs $50 for new shoes or whatever. My dad would send the money. I would go pick out whatever the hell I wanted. Um, because I, he wasn't like actively there to be like, no, girls don't do this. Girls wear this or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and that's been an experience that I had, like my mom maybe doesn't understand everything, Mm -hmm. but she loves and supports me. So like when I came out and I came home and I was like, mom, I think I'm trans. Um, you know, like I would like for you to start calling me your son. I, I think I want to change my name. Um, I think that I would like to be called Holden. She was like, okay. And simple as that. And she did it. Um, I mean, there's like, I give everybody a grace period and I tell everybody that like, especially people who, you know, haven't seen me in years, maybe don't know that I've changed my name. Maybe don't know that I've come out as trans. Um, like there is like a quick, like, oh, actually my name's Holden now. I use he, they pronouns. Um, I've been transitioning for about a year and a half. Um, most of the time people are like, all right, cool. Um, and then other times people are like, uh, it, this is hard. And I'm like, okay, well, just, we just want to hang out then. Um, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. pretty easy. I just, I just don't associate myself with people who can't respect me as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had like, the support from my mom to be myself, um, whatever that means. Um, you know, she just wanted me to be a good person. Mm -hmm. And so like, that was the, like, that was the direction that I was given. Mm -hmm. And so it was really challenging for me when I was growing up because I had a lot of responsibility that a lot of people my age will never have. You were supporting you, your siblings, right. Trying to Um, help out as much as you could. Right. And you know, more in more than ways than one, not just like financially, but like practically. Yeah. And so like financially, my responsibility was to myself, you know, like once Mm -hmm. we were able to like start buying our own shoes, our parents were like, sweet, that's one less kid to like buy shit for. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, like my parents always, other kids are not doing that though. Yeah, no, I understand. But, um, you know, like my parents, my parents have always, you know, like I've always had the basic necessities. Mm -hmm. Um, which I'm grateful for because I, I knew kids who didn't have that. Yeah, and so, you, need, you need them. You yeah, need those basic necessities. You do need those, but you also need, like, the emotional support 
Well, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. You, yeah. You, that, you need the basic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But there are categories above that before sure. you can reach your full potential. For sure. And emotional needs are definitely one of them. Safety. Yeah. Emotion, your emotional needs. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so then like, you know, safety is a big thing for me. Um, oh, if you see this symbol on my shirt, this is actually called the safe camp. Um, so back in like the great depression when like transient people were like hopping trains and going town to town to find work um there was a language developed called hobo code i love that so the safe camp it means exactly that right you are safe to camp here there's clean water um you know you won't be harmed so this symbol i like a band that i really love listening to has like used it as a like you can be who you want to be and like be a fan of ours and like you will be safe here um and i've kind of used it in a like finding my community and finding people who are like my safe camp you know what i mean and like expanding that community i am a safe camp for people i need people to know that if you came to my house you would be safe you could tell me anything it would be safe you know what i mean like safety like i like spent a lot of time Uh, during COVID, like, really defining what, like, community and safety meant and looked like to me. And so now, like, now I'm in the phase of, like, how do I push this out from myself to people so that they know, oh, like, I'm in trouble. I need a place to sleep. I need food. I, you know, I have this thing I need to tell somebody, but I'm afraid Holden's, Holden's a person that I can come to for these things. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, the the needs the needs thing is like basic needs. I've, I was always set as a kid. Um, you know, emotional needs were kind of not really there. My parents were just tired. You know, like they were working a lot. They had five kids. They were working. You know, single parents at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cost of living has just increased Rapidly. year over year for the last thirty years. You know what I mean? Like it's been a hard time, mm-hmm. and everybody's having a hard time. Everybody's doing the best that they can, mm-hmm. but. Um, I'm sorry, I actually forgot your question because I've just been rambling. You answered my question. (laughs) (laughs) You absolutely answered my question. We just thought we were talking about um, how you were able to be you. And it sounds like you had those basic needs met, but Mm -hmm. you really had a lot of love and support from your mom in the best way that she could to say, do that. And as you got older, the barrier of your dad's voice was kind of removed as he was separate. Yeah. So you answered my question. Yeah. And then my dad actually moved home from Texas on my 18th birthday. So, um, in for a shock. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, he would come home on like Christmas and stuff to see the family, obviously, Mm -hmm. but he would come home, like stay for Christmas, stay for a few weeks and then go back to Texas. But when he moved home on my 18th birthday, um, we immediately started butting heads again. Mm -hmm. Like, immediately and um he like kicked me out you know called me lazy called me fat like whatever it was whatever words he could use as ammo to hurt me words he's been using my whole life to hurt me you know what i mean i've Mm -hmm. had an eating disorder i've had you know like a lot of suicidal thoughts um i've had a few suicide attempts in my life um you know i'm grateful that that they they failed um that's the only kind of failure that i'm grateful for in my life honestly but um yeah so my 
my younger brother, not the youngest, but my younger brother and I were, we, we shared a bedroom. Um, you know, we were very close, uh, very poor, not a lot of space. So outside of like the support of my mom, my brother is um, probably, you know, one of the only other people in my life that I could say has like accepted me for who I am, no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, my sister, my oldest sister has always like loved me. I'm her favorite sibling. If any of my other siblings are listening to this, you already know that that's the truth. Um, <laughs> but um, and then my other sister and I, we, we really didn't get close until, until I was like in my mid twenties. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was hard then, but like, again, when I came out to her and was like, what would you say if I told you I was trans? And she was like, honestly, I've been just waiting for you to have this conversation with me. I was like, you bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, at any point I would have welcomed this conversation. And honestly, that's not true because I've had like friends like, Hey, are you trans? And I'd be like, no. Like, no, just because I'm like really masculine doesn't mean that I want to, you know, like I'm a proud less blah, 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 blah. No. Um, and that's fine if that's how you, how you feel about yourself. Like, but I was so in denial about who I was for so long mm -hmm. and like, I didn't even have the language. And also it was like, you know, having access to therapy, things like that, really just allowing myself to process parts of my life that, I like boxed up and threw away the key. Um, yeah. you know, like we're still working through some of that shit, most of it, but, um, you know, like allowing myself to feel didn't really start until I was like 25. Um, you know, I was just, well, you have to feel very safe to feel. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> to allow yourself to feel the things that you needed to feel, you needed to feel very safe to do so. Yeah, no doubt. So um, it makes sense that it was as 25 yeah for sure I, and you know and like I in my adulthood like I was with a woman um who had a child I was with her for six almost seven years so like it went from caring for my family to caring for another family um you know my my mother um is on disability um and doesn't really have like I don't know if you know this or not but people who get like social security disability uh checks they don't make enough money to survive. No, so no, not, even close. Um, not even close. So my mom and I live together. She lives at my house. And um, so like, I've, I've just always been like taking care of people mm -hmm. and not really prioritizing taking care of myself. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so like slowly over the past five, six years, I've really started to like allow myself to say no to people, to, um, you know, I'll still feel bad about it, but like, but you're doing it, but I'm doing it, um, slowly, but you know, like I'll, I'll allow myself to say no to people. I'll allow myself to like take time for myself. Um, it feels very selfish when I do things, but like I do them anyway. Um, and it might actually just be selfish, you know what I mean? But like selfish doesn't have to be bad though. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a, um, it's just like a, a super long process, you know? And like dealing like also, you know, with a, a parent with an active addiction um, that really like has never gone away um, is like really challenging. You know, like I had to make a decision to like not speak to my father, mm -hmm. um, which was really hard. You know, like mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be good enough for my dad and um, and like in like my coming out 
and like realizing that this man is never going to see me for who I am. Um, and this man is never going to like accept or respect or like support me in a way that I've been asking for for years is like all I'm doing is hurting myself, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to like have any progression if I continue to like prioritize like, oh, if I do it this way, then maybe my dad will love me, Mm -hmm. um, which is like really hard, you know? And like, I think a lot of people have had parental like traumas or like parental kind of like ups and downs like that where, you know, um, again, it's not probably his fault. Um, I, consider my parents and their upbringings when I think about their uh their actions and the way that they respond to things um but um I think that maybe if you could just go to therapy um anybody and everybody should just go to therapy and truly uh doesn't make you crazy it doesn't make you have a mental illness uh I tell people all the time like yo your therapist is literally like your best friend that's legally not allowed to talk shit about you to anybody so you can tell them whatever you need and like know that that's like the safest place to you know as long as you're not talking about like hurting yourself or others like Mm -hmm. your secrets are safe with this person and it's really easy to like you know in my experience in therapy like we'll start talking and then um I'll just like trauma dump for 30 minutes and be like, whoa, fuck, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't even know that those memories existed. And then I just told them all to you. And my therapist is like, "Mm, you're amazing. You're so great. I'm so proud of you, Um, which is really uncomfortable for me because like, yeah, people people do not talk to me this way. You know what I mean? People don't talk to each other enough like that. People don't compliment each other. Yeah. You're so great. You're so brave. You're doing so amazing. Like, is I'm really proud of you for being honest about X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. does this feel? How does this feel in your body? That's a question that I still don't know how to answer. I'm trying my hardest. You know what I mean? But like access that yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, sure. a, it's a progression. But I really like I advocate for everybody to go to therapy. I advocate for everybody to consider um, other people's journeys. And maybe that's why they act or react in certain ways. Um and I also advocate for people to like believe their kids when they tell them that they're queer. <laughs> um, I'm a big, big advocate of that. Um, I uh, would love to like be a like an open resource for the queer community of Finley um, or like the surrounding areas. If you, um, you know, if you have anything that you need, please like reach out to Spectrum um, and they can put you, um, you know, in contact with me um, if there's anybody who's trans or queer um, or has, um, you know, any questions about, you know, trans or queer um, identity, uh, feel free to, you know, reach out. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, helping people find resources. I might not give the answer, um, you know, that you want. I might not have an answer immediately, but um, as far as like, having access to healthcare, having access to, you know, therapy, having access to, um, you know, there's a lot of support groups here in town for parents of queer people, queer people in general, queer youth. Um, uh, would love to start coordinating some sort of like education piece for the community where, you know, like, hey, come meet us at the library this month. We're going to talk about pronouns and the importance of them. We're going to talk about, you know, 
trans people and what you should and shouldn't say to them. We're going to, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I education, it's the education piece is so important. Um, I don't think that people say things to be harmful intentionally, but, um, but that's the case. A lot of the times it's like what you say or like what your questions, you know, your, your you questions, good mean. intentions and being exactly. harmful. You having the full thing. <laughs> I'm sure that you're really curious, but that's really rude. Please don't ask me that. Um, <laughs> You know, that's just who funny. was the last person you asked about their genitals? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, uh, good rule. If you're having a hard time, right. yeah. <laughs> what was the last? Well, just person you asked just about people their that I plan to be sexually active with. Um, right. You know. Yeah, that's, so, that's the, like that's very fair. Yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, yeah it's for okay sure. to ask <laughs> sexual partners. Yeah, about, about their genitals. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, I. Just want to say, I guess it's through your journey, like you've really taken it through, like you've really been a leader throughout. That's what I'm trying to say. You've been a leader throughout, even from the very beginning. And I appreciate your ability now as an adult and further along in your journey to take that into the next step into more formal advocacy and education and um, providing that safe space as you were talking about with um, like even your own home. Like, yeah. I will be a safe space and that commitment to that. Yeah, for sure. That's really what it's all about. Um, yeah, you know, if you're if you're listening and you're queer um, and you live in Hancock County, uh, you belong here. You deserve to belong here. Um, again, I'm here I, as a joke out of spite, but really it's so people don't feel like they need to run away to find the community that will support them. Mm-hmm. Um there are resources for literally everybody, mental health, um, you know, trans care, health care, uh, you know, like STD testing. Like we have access to all of those things. We can help you. Um, you know, I don't actually work for Spectrum. I'm just a volunteer, but I'm so passionate about um, making sure that everybody is aware that they deserve to belong mm-hmm. and that there is a safe place and that like you don't have to hide if you don't want to, mm-hmm. um, and there will be people to support you throughout that experience. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, yeah, super important. I love that. Um, so this feels like a natural end, yeah. <laughs> but I want to make sure that you have been able to share everything that you wanted to share today. I mean, without giving it, Uh, like traumatic story after traumatic story. I do believe that like uh, a good part of my story has been shared, you know? Um, Yes. If we were to share every detail, we would be here for 30 years, right? For sure. (laughs) For sure. Um, So it is hard to narrow it down though, as you look at your life and say, what am I going to talk about? (laughs) No doubt. Um, Yeah. So, uh, Again, just super, super passionate about like making sure that people have support mm-hmm. and have resources and advocacy. Advocacy, sorry. Um, if you like, if you had have heard any of the conversations that I've had with any of the parents from the youth group, you would have your jaw on the floor. Um, if you have heard most conversations that people have had with me personally, you also would have your jaw on the floor. Um, I encourage everybody 
to please use google.com to ask any kind of insane question that you want to ask a queer or trans person or a woman uh, or anybody about their body um, or their experience. Um, if you Google whatever question you're going to ask first and like the first four things that pop up are like things that you should not absolutely ever say to people, <laughs> um, maybe just consider that, um, you know, make sure that you are providing that safe space. Um, if, Again, like if I don't feel safe around you, uh, you just will not have access to me. Um, and sometimes you might not even realize that what you've said to me has made me feel unsafe around you. So consider that when you're talking to people. Um, I think it'll get get you further in life than anything. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you so much. Did you have anything that I have nothing? Larry's very quiet like, no, today. Yeah, I'm actually, like off off the air, I could talk to you for 14 years. Yeah because uh the, like you were talking a lot about like especially like your early life stuff mm-hmm. there is a lot there are a lot of similarities between yeah. like the way that you were raised and the way that i was raised and mm-hmm. like family structure and all this other stuff i'm like i don't want to hijack this so yeah i'm, ah, I'm, letting, I'm letting you talk quiet. you know what i mean yeah. like because like i was thinking a lot of things for like the first half i was like Dude, I got lost for a minute. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I got lost and yeah. like he got it can lost be hard. In the, um, he got lost in the connection. Lost, yeah. in, lost in the sauce, and it can be hard because you know, like I think that a, a, something that a lot of people don't realize is that like your story is also somebody else's story. Like there are more people who have lived what you've lived through than you want to believe. Um, and sometimes that's not a great thing because like sometimes your story is not super great, um, has a lot of hardship, and it's like you don't want anybody to feel. Yeah, what you feel, or you don't want anybody to have experienced what you've experienced. But it's like, the hard part of misery loves company, but yeah, you don't sure. really want anyone to feel that misery. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, like, that's important to like think as well as like, I might be very open about who I am and what I've gone through, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not the only person who's gone through what I've gone through. Right. Um, and there are people who have had it much, much harder. Um, I would just say that. As a trans person, I have a lot of privilege. I am a white dude with a job in healthcare, uh, with with a great like insurance plan. Um, you I know, know like, you had a job in healthcare. Yeah, now, that's something I want to do one day. Yeah. So I have, you know, like I have a lot of privilege. A lot of people don't have access to healthcare. They don't have a job. They are a person of color. They are a trans woman. Trans women of color have it harder than anybody yes. on this planet. I will die saying that. I will always use my privilege to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I will always use my privilege to advocate for anybody that is disenfranchised. Um, I know that I am also part of that marginalized community. But yes, as far uh, as far as privilege is concerned, I'm a white dude. Um, that's how the world sees me, right. and I'm aware of that, and I will continue to advocate for people who aren't seen that way until we're all just treated as people. Mm-hmm. Or I'll die trying. That's what I always tell students or people in general that are willing to listen is that yeah. treat people like people. Yeah. Always treat people like people. Absolutely. Rule number one, always treat mm-hmm. people like people. Well, I, alongside Larry, also very much so connect to your story. So there's already two there. Two down. Check, check. Two connections. <laughs> two. <laughs> so I'm sure that that will that your story will resonate with our listeners. So thank you very much for sharing. Absolutely. Today. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I love really having you here. Yeah. It's yeah. been, it's been really like, enjoyable. 
So um, for our listeners, tune in next time for more inspiring stories from our recovery community. You have been listening to the I Am Somebody podcast, a collaborative project with Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ plus Spectrum of Finley. If you or someone you know is in need of emergency services, call 911. If you are feeling suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. If you are facing a crisis situation, you can connect with a crisis counselor by texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. If you are in Hancock County, Ohio, you can call Focus Recovery and Wellness Community at 419-423-5071 from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday. NAMI Hancock County can be reached at 567-525-3435, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Support for LGBTQ plus youths and adults can be found at LGBTQ plus Spectrum of Finley by emailing contact at spectrumoffinleylgbt.org. Outside of Hancock County, Ohio, you can use the internet to search for recovery community organizations or contact NAMI National at 800-950-6264 from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. LGBTQ plus youths can contact the Trevor Hotline at 866-488-7386. If you are a victim of domestic violence, please call 800-799-7233. If you are a victim of sexual assault, please call 800-656-7233. 4673. Your hosts today were Larry Betts and Bailey Kerr. Marketing support was provided by Amber Keir. I'm your compare, Jazz Bradley. This podcast was made possible by the support of Associated Charities. The song used for the I Am Somebody podcast is A Walk in the Light by Zach Fletcher. The song was used under permission by the copyright holder. Thank you for listening. I am somebody.